Hello and welcome to the Killing Time with Arch podcast. My name is Arch Grieve and I'm your host. And today I'm excited to get to talk to someone with a ton of podcasting experience and expertise, Ariel Nissenblatt, who is the founder of the Earbuds Podcast Collective, which is a newsletter that goes out weekly and gives you recommendations on podcasts to check out. So I'm sure that she'll have some good ones for us as well today. She also co-hosts two podcasts that I know of at least, and it's just an all-around interesting person. So join me as we talk about everything from podcast marketing to the migration and assimilation patterns of the Kaifeng Jews in just a moment. Well, hello and welcome to the show and thanks so much for coming on to talk with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. So this is a little bit embarrassing, but my first question for you wasn't planned, but my little snowball mic that I got at a pawn shop apparently chose today of all days to stop working, hence why the audio may not have sound as great on my end in this episode, which I apologize for, but I'm wondering what uh, microphone do you like to use to record your podcasts with? Great question. I am currently subletting a friend's place, so I'm not at my usual recording setup. Currently, I'm using a Rode NT-USB Mini. It's so small, um, but it's a great travel mic. Usually, I use the Shure MV7. I love it. It makes everything sound amazing. Nice. All right. Well, I will be checking those out. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I guess to start off, I mentioned you know some of the things you, that you do in the intro, but you know you do so many things, it seems like. So, I'd love to have you maybe just introduce yourself a bit and maybe within that talk about your podcasting journey and maybe how you got into it and what you love so much about it. Yeah. I listen to podcasts for a living. I help podcasters for a living. I am obsessed with podcasts. It's my entire life since 2017. Uh, And what that manifests as is I work for Squadcast, which is the platform that we're using to record this. It's a remote recording software. I run the community there. Uh, So I'm in touch with the customers and I try to create learning opportunities for them, both within the software and then also opportunities to help them grow their podcast or to meet other podcasters, really just uh, fostering a sense of community surrounding the fact that they all use the same software to record their podcasts. Um, it's It's marketing adjacent, I would say, but more people focused. And then I also run a podcast recommendation newsletter called Earbuds Podcast Collective, which I started in 2017, really got me started in the podcast space right then and there. Um, And I can go more into the origin of that. I also help podcasters do marketing and PR with my friend, Lauren Passell, who's amazing. Great Twitter follow. Um, And I co-host the Sounds Profitable podcast called Ad Tech Applied, which is all about the business of podcasting and how you can use ad tech tools to help grow your show. And then I also have a big presence on Twitter where I share podcast advice, share podcast recommendations, and generally speaking, just love to spread the gospel of podcasts because I don't know, I I had a conversation about this recently with a friend. I love consuming content through my ears (laughs) and I didn't know that until 2014. So my guess is that there are more people that would love consuming content through their ears. So if I can expose a few more people to that, that's great. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And I, you know, I was going to, I applied to speak at a a TEDx event and I'm, they accepted my, like, I I can audition now. (laughs) So I get the opportunity (laughs) to go and apply uh, in person. But uh, what I was going to do is, yeah, 
going to be fun. I've done it before and they didn't accept me last time, but we'll see what happens this time. But uh, it's going to be about podcasting. And I was surprised to learn that, like, I think I Googled, like, how many podcasts are there? And there's only, like, still, like, 2 million, I think. Is that some number sound anywhere near, right? Like, it, there, yes, that sounds around right. There's different estimates, but mm-hmm. that is one of the last figures that I've heard. And of course, you know, within that, there's millions of episodes, so you'll never run out of things to listen to right, at this yeah. point. But I mean, and there's probably a lot of stuff that you don't want to listen to at this point. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. Which I think I have three dead podcasts <laughs> as well at this point. But, uh, but I, it's is a relatively small, like compared to like I think there's like 60 million YouTube channels and all that. So I think yeah. you're exactly right. A lot of people I don't think have heard of it. So. You bring, you bring up a good point because you'll hear, you'll go on Twitter, you'll go on like TikTok, you'll go on Facebook and everyone's like, everyone's starting a podcast these days. Or I was uh, scrolling on my friend's um, TikTok the other day. His name is Lloyd George. He's a podcast producer and he helps people start podcasts. And he was like, this is the year that you're going to start a podcast. And somebody commented saying, we don't need more podcasts in the world. And I quote, I stitched the video and I was like, nobody says this about books. Nobody says this about YouTube channels. Nobody says this about blogs. The only thing is it's so easy to make podcasts technically. Like all you really need is a phone and a free podcast hosting site like Anchor and you can have a podcast in an afternoon. Right. But that doesn't mean it's going to be a good podcast, but you can ignore those. You can just find the good podcast and listen to the good podcast. And there are so many of them. Right. And you find them for people. So thank you for that. You got me excited, by the way. Yeah, yeah, great. (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, I guess my next question will have, I think, probably little to do with podcasting, though. So (laughs) uh, we'll take a break from that for a second. But I was preparing for the interview, and I came across a little tidbit on your CV, which is that you speak Hebrew. And then I happened to notice that your thesis was on the uh, migration and assimilation patterns of the Kaifeng Jews. And to be honest, I taught history at the high school level for many years, even modern Chinese history a little bit. And I had never heard wow. of the Kaifeng Jews. So oh my gosh, I was I'm kind so of excited. fascinated and went down a little rabbit hole reading about them. But I wonder if you can give maybe a quick synopsis of your thesis, maybe, and explain a little bit about yeah. why you chose to focus on that group. Yeah, I have always been interested in small pockets of Jewish populations around the world because I grew up in New York with the Mecca of Ashkenazi Jews and mm-hmm. a lot of other types of Jews too. Um, and every time I would find out that there was a pocket of Jews, there's like a, a an autonomous Jewish region in Russia, an oblast of Jews. I was like, what? And this still exists. And you find out about these things and they're, they're Jew. I just love hearing about the history of Jews and how they got so scattered around the world mm-hmm. um, and how I play into that and where where I fit within that. So I went to China um, my junior year of college. I lived about three hours northwest of Shanghai, a little wow. bit faster on the high-speed rail in a town called Zhenjiang, okay. and it was near Nanjing, um, which had a university that had within it a PhD program in Jewish studies. And there were people who, there were Chinese citizens who were so interested in Judaism that they started this program. And I got to meet the the leading authority on the Chinese Jews in China, whose, whose name is Xu Xin. And it was just the coolest experience. And I was curious, not only about the people who choose to study about uh, Judaism, but also Israel. But I was also, I was also learning about, um, 
the Jews who went to Shanghai mostly during World War II to escape from the Nazis. And I went on this amazing tour of Shanghai uh, led by an Israeli who moved to Shanghai and it was about the Jewish history of the city. It inspired me to want to learn more about the Jewish history of China. Apparently in, I'm going to get the dates wrong because it's been a very long time, but sometime between 900 and 1200 um, uh, CE, Jews started coming from India to Kaifeng, which is, I don't even remember the province at this point, Mm. a city in northern China, not too far from Beijing. And they started settling there. And they mostly, it was mostly men who were coming. So there's a tradition in Judaism that you're supposed to marry Jewish, right? So that the lineage can continue. And that definitely is still strong to this day. And, um, you know, some people, some people continue to marry Jews. Some people will, what they call intermarry. Um, and, what happened in this situation is that because there were no Jewish women, the Jewish men who came to Kaifeng married Chinese women. And generally speaking, Judaism is passed down through the mother. But in this case, because the the Jews were the people who were bringing their culture and their religion to, to this city in China, they wanted to keep that strong. So they actually passed down Judaism through the father. Um, they, patrilineal descent in this case. Mm-hmm. And there are traditions that stuck around in Kaifeng that were Jewish on the surface, but people couldn't explain them. So for example, they would wear yarmulkes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I believe um, the Chinese word for um, for Jew is yo tai ren. Um, and it, I think it might translate to something like the people who wore, it's like people who didn't eat pork. But then there's also different ways of um, explaining who the Jews were. And it's often like the people who wore the little cap <laughs> on their head. Nice. And it's not like they know the word yarmulke or kippa or skull cap or anything like that. It was just like that is something that differentiates them from each other. <laughs> and they didn't eat pork and um, they had synagogues. But the synagogues got flooded or, or you know, had other types of things that brought them down over the years. And there was a, a point where they did not rebuild. So there's still like a... a people within Kaifeng who are rediscovering the fact that they might've had Jewish lineage. And it's just fascinating to me that that exists. Um, And obviously if you want more information, more historically accurate information, you can read my thesis. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'd love to, but yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, it reminded me, one of the things I do on the side is I'm uh, chair of the Sarajevo subcommittee because Dayton and Sarajevo and Bosnia Herzegovina are sister cities. And so I been, love that. I yeah. love the concept of sister cities. <laughs> oh, I do too. I've been involved for like five years now and I, I've gotten to go to Bosnia like four times now. And in Sarajevo, there is a very old synagogue that's really oh, yeah. cool. Um, that you it's the coolest thing. I love old, I just, I, I'm obsessed with it. Not just Judaism, I'm also interested in like early Christianity, sure. early Islam. It's so interesting to me. Well, the coolest thing was when I was there the first time, it was like as part of like a delegation and stuff. And we got to see the Sarajevo Haggadah, which is like an illuminated manuscript, very rare illuminated Jewish manuscript. So it was really neat. That's awesome. It's for Passover. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool. But anyway, so yeah, um, I definitely recommend checking that place out yet if you haven't been there yet. But oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm going to Spain this summer and I'm definitely. Oh, I nice. already booked some like walking tours of the Jewish quarter. That's yeah. like 
That's how I like to travel. And I saw a tweet the other day that was like, you know, um, traveling with my family, we could be visiting the moon. And my mom would be like, so where's this country's Jewish quarter? (laughs) (laughs) And I I completely felt that. (laughs) That's awesome. Awesome. Well, to get back to podcasts a little bit, I guess. Um, Major pivot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just had to ask about that. I'm sorry. Cause I Please, saw yeah. that and I was like, oh, that's so cool. But you have a, a couple of podcasts, at least, that I know of. Um, but I'd like to start with talking about the one that's related to your newsletter, which is the Earbuds Podcast Collective. So I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, what that podcast and newsletter are all about. And you already talked about a little bit why you started it, but how how's it grown over the years? Yeah. I started this newsletter in 2017 because I was listening to a lot of podcasts, but I wanted to listen to more podcasts. Um, I had a, had a long commute. I also loved going on walks. I also loved cleaning in order to listen to more podcasts. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to discover podcasts that were not, that were out of my comfort zone, that were shows that I wouldn't find on my own. Mm-hmm. Shows that, you know, I wouldn't know what to Google in order to find them, but because you have different interests than me, you would find them and be like, this is worth your time. Sure. So that was the premise behind the the newsletter. So I started it in uh, February of 2017. And um, the way it works is that each week is curated by a different person and anyone can curate a list, not just like famous people or podcasters or professors. It can be anybody who has an idea or a desire to put together five podcast episodes. And if you are a podcaster, you can include one of your own episodes so that you get a little bit of uh, a little bit more eyes and ears on your show. But for the most part, it is the goal is to make lists of podcasts that are worth your time that are somebody's favorite podcasts, and maybe yours next. And I've been running that since 2017. It has absolutely helped me in every aspect of my life, not just professionally. Um, I have gotten jobs because of it. I have monetized it. I have grown it to a huge number. I've grown it to um, have partnerships all over the world, monetary and non-monetary. And I've learned a lot about email marketing. I've learned a lot about Twitter. I have met podcast people all over the world. And I've consistently had podcasts in my ears for like 30 hours a week since 2017. Mm-hmm. So uh, goal goal achieved by me. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> um, it. And hopefully other people have found value in these lists. And I've, I've learned over the years that, that that is the truth. And, um, the podcast came about, so I also put out a weekly podcast called feedback with earbuds that started out as essentially an audio version of the newsletter. I would essentially read the newsletter. It was boring. My mom told me and other people probably without, without telling me should have told me, uh, and I knew, but I just wanted to put something out there. I wanted to walk the walk because I was giving a lot of advice about podcasts and I was like, I should probably do this myself. Uh, and over the years, the podcast has shifted a lot and I'm very intentional about the shifts because I, I like experimenting when it comes to what works, what might work, what works in a certain time limit, you know, um, should there be an interview? Should, if there's an interview, does it have to be real time or can it be an asynchronous interview? So I've experimented with all these things and I've been very clear as I experiment why I'm experimenting on the show because not only is, a, is it a podcast recommendation podcast, it's also sort of like, learn along with me, you know, try this for yourself. Sure. No, I love that. And yeah, it's definitely, I found some cool new podcasts through there for sure. So thank you for doing that. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad. Yeah. Well, and one thing I loved about listening to your 
to the earbuds podcast, I guess, especially I, I was listening to the art imitates life imitates podcasts episode. And uh, at the beginning, you mentioned that your cat's sitting for a friend. And as a result, there might be some background noises and such. And I will say I struggle a lot with sound because, you know, as you can see in the video here, I'm recording in my closet at the moment. Um, but I have uh, a little shed in my backyard where I have a little office and everything. And I love recording oh, that's there. Nice. But it picks up like it's there's no insulation. It's just a shed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like not great. And so I'm curious, like, well, what but, are your thoughts on like background noises and stuff? And Yeah. And I, I want to acknowledge that at the beginning of this uh, interview, you said something like my mic's not working. So my audio quality might not be as good as it usually is. And I love transparency. I love letting people know if something is different than what they might have expected. And that is also the methodology behind me telling you that I was cat sitting for my friends in a, on a noisy street in Brooklyn. Sure. Um, people are much more willing to forgive you if you acknowledge what they might need forgiving, right? Mm-hmm. So if I just try to pass off the fact that my audio quality is completely different this week from how it was last week, you're going to feel gaslit. You're going to be like, why, you know, this is not as good as normal. But if you just acknowledge it, people are way more forgiving. And, you know, as long as it's not like a horrific recording, it's going to be okay on a one-off or every once in a while if your audio does not need to be, if your audio is not as amazing as, as it usually is. Um, how do I feel about background noise? I think you should try as a podcaster to have the best audio quality possible because there are so many other podcasts out there and people are going to have a low tolerance for your show. If you are not a famous person and they're just giving you a try, they're going to look for any excuse willingly or not to find something else. You know, it's got to be great across the board. Of course there are, you know, caveats to this, you know, you, like I said, every few episodes, if your audio quality is not as amazing as they expect, fine, let them know. But for the most part, you should be trying as hard as you can to have great audio quality. Um, you know, there, there's levels once you get higher and higher up in the audio uh, production game. <clears throat> and the average listener is not going to be able to tell the difference between like good audio and really, really good audio and then really, really, really good audio. Um, but there are some people who have the ear for that, who are going to be like, Ooh, that's a little tinny. And mm-hmm. you're like, what the hell does tinny mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. And I, I, I would like to think that my audio has improved a lot over the years because I, I started off, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but I, I didn't know a good way to record like interviews. So I just kind of, uh, would call people on my phone and like put it on speaker, <laughs> you know, and put it next to the microphone kind of thing. And look, uh, that, that gave great, you the practice so. you needed to get where you are today. So yeah, it's true. a good thing. So, well, I haven't really explained this publicly yet, I guess, to people, but I'm actually kind of taking a couple of years off um, from working full time and just, um, you know, teaching a little bit part time at a local community college. But then I'm doing this podcast, but also doing another one. And my goal or hope, I guess, is that, you know, by the end of those two years, I might be able to monetize the show. I don't know. I'm thinking about a lot of different ways to do that, including hopefully getting a Patreon start set up soon. But um, at the point now, I think uh, that I'm at, I really need to focus more on marketing probably. And I, I've kind of exhausted my free marketing channels that, I, that I'm aware of at least. So I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, well, you know, should I just give up now? Is there a glimmer of hope that someone no. can still monetize a show or two? Yeah. Or what, what are your thoughts on that, I guess? 
Yeah. I think that you are somebody's favorite podcast and you're probably more than one person's favorite podcast, but you need to find those people. And for that reason alone, it's worth it to continue doing your podcast because you're going to eventually find a group of people who want to listen to you week after week. Um, That is good for the listeners. And it is also very good for advertisers. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to monetize to make a living, maybe one day. Um, But you can probably get a few dollars to offset the costs of your production. And that's because you have a specific niche, right? You are talking to people about a specific topic and you do it the best out of anybody who does it. You do this topic the best out of anybody who does it, hopefully. Or that is your goal to strive for that. Um, so no, there you should definitely continue. My, my advice is if you want to have a podcast, be in it for the long run. Um, eventually you will create connections. You will build up an audience base who wants to be involved with you. Maybe they don't want to pay $5 a month. Maybe they want to pay $2 a month to to support you. Maybe they don't want to pay at all, but they support you by listening to the ads that are now on your show. Um, It is definitely possible to grow your show at this point, but you need to build in marketing to every aspect of your production. And what I mean by that is definitely have a marketing plan. So when your episodes go live, what are you doing? But also how can you make within your show more marketable? Are there opportunities for you to have guests call in so that they're so excited when their episode airs so that they want to share it with everybody, right? Or are there opportunities for you to have podcasters who podcast about similar topics plug into your show and vice versa so that you reach their audience and they reach you? Well, I guess kind of related to that and along the lines of monetization, another podcast you do that you mentioned is Sounds Profitable, Ad Tech Applied, which is all about podcasting ad tech but for those of us who may not be familiar with podcasting ad tech can you <laughs> explain what it, what that is and maybe how, yeah. you, how you guys explore that in your, in your podcast yeah so ad tech is a broad term that explains the tools that help podcasters monetize or publishers get on podcasts and so it's like a, a two-sided thing um ad, i mean ad tech in general is not just about podcasts but we're talking about podcast ad tech here and so it was the newsletter uh, sounds profitable soundsprofitable.com was founded by Brian Barletta because he used to work in ad tech at a podcast company and then left that job and thought that the average publisher needs to learn more about these tools that are available to everybody the same tools that are available to NPR and Pineapple Street and all these fancy podcast studios are available to the independent podcaster And there might be some cost prohibitions there, but the tools are available, whereas that is not the case in film and TV for for advertising. So this is about educating people, um, telling them that, you know, they can sign up for a podcast hosting site that has the ability to plug in dynamically inserted ads to their show. So if you have a thousand downloads per episode, a lot of time that that means that you are eligible to... um, to plug into one of these sites that lets you include a pre-roll ad, mid-roll ad, and post-roll ad. You might be getting a few cents, but that is no lift, right? You just have to carve out a space before your show starts, in the middle of your show, so that you don't get cut off in the middle of a sentence, and then afterwards, and then make sure you sign off on the ads that you are okay with playing on your show and the ads that you do not want playing on your show under any circumstances, and then you can make a few cents. Um, And the more downloads you have, the more money you can make. 
And so it's about, that's just an example of one of the tools that's available. Um, and so Sounds Profitable every week puts out a newsletter about like, you know, privacy in podcasting, privacy with advertisers, how to um, incorporate merchandise into your uh, monetization scheme for your podcast. These are just some of the topics. And then the podcast Ad Tech Applied comes out every Sunday. Brian uh, interviews somebody in the ad tech space. And then I am up at the top of the show and at the bottom of the show telling you what you should listen for in that interview and then breaking down my big takeaways. Because when I listened to the show initially, that is what I wanted. So Brian and I discussed how we could make the, the podcast accessible to everybody. And we decided that that was the way to go. Nice. I like that a lot. I'm curious, are there any ad tech services that are geared towards, you know, because like my other podcast is focused on Dayton, Ohio. That's pretty much it, which is like 140,000 people. So are there any services out there that like target geography-based kind of oh, podcasts? Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. So that concept is called geotargeting. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to a podcast like Consider This from NPR, it's uh, relatively new. What they do is they do national news for the top half of the show. And then you'll hear something that goes, and now for the news from Dayton, Ohio, and it'll pull from your local NPR station. Maybe it's not Dayton. Maybe it's a a larger station. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you'll get a story from the, the NPR station near you. And that changes based on where you go. So I'm flying to Chicago tomorrow. So my consider this will be national news story and then WBEZ Chicago. Um, I'm in New York right now. So today when I turn it on, it'll be national news and then WNYC. And that is so cool. (laughs) And it tracks where your phone is in order to do that. So yes, there are tools that, first of all, I mean, if I were you, in order to monetize your Dayton, Ohio show, I would just go to local Dayton, Ohio businesses. And I would say, you know, my audience is all Dayton, you know it makes sense for you to sponsor me because I am targeting your exact audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also there are tools where you can um, plug in and say, you know, target the people who are here. I'll have to check into that. Um, the interesting thing though is I was surprised. I've never had a, I'm using Podbean for the other podcasts. I use Anchor for this one, but uh, I've never had Podbean will show you like geography based, like where people are listening from. Yeah, I assumed everybody would be listening from Ohio, <laughs> and they're not actually. Uh, like, really, about half the audience is outside of Ohio. Um, like six percent of them are in Kentucky. I have a theory on that. Yeah, I'm curious what you think. Why? <laughs> well, I love Ohio. I'm not from Ohio, but everybody who I meet who is from Ohio loves being from Ohio. <laughs> I, and I a, a lot of them Ohio are not there anymore. But tattoo right here. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, a lot of them are not there anymore. I met most of my Ohio friends in either New York or LA mm-hmm. or Mississippi, but they love being from there. They think it's the best place to have grown up. And there's probably a big diaspora community of people who are like, what's going on in my beloved Dayton? Mm-hmm. You know, let me, let me find out if there's a podcast for Dayton. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe that's good. I like that. Um, well, I was thinking maybe it's people who, cause I saw some article that said that um, Kentucky, I guess is the number one state of people, you know, leaving people Kentucky move to move over. to Ohio. Yeah. yeah. So I was yeah. thinking maybe I'll try to market to some realtors or something. I don't know, but yeah, why not? Anyways. Um, 
one thing I guess I'm realizing though, uh, which I think I understood to some extent before I started the show, but maybe didn't realize how time consuming it would be, but the importance of marketing. And um, I'm probably spending like half my time on that. I would say now. You should. That's actually the percentage that I like to give. Um, My, my marketing friend and I, Lauren Passell, we always say you should be spending 50% of your time on creation, 50% of your time on marketing. And you don't have to think of marketing as a chore. I freaking love marketing because it is inherently creative. You're thinking about ways to get your show in front of somebody else in a way that doesn't feel like you are selling to them. And that is a creative endeavor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'm not real great at it. (laughs) Like, for example, last night we were at a a bar. Uh, We go trivia every Tuesday at a bar around here. I love trivia. Oh, me too. And um, is a great trivia host and everything. And I basically, I was like, hey, I'll, uh, whoever wins round two, I'm going to buy them a pitcher of beer which I did, but the host um, changed what I said, uh, which was like for tonight. And he was like, for the rest of the year, he'll be buying a round of beer for round two. And I was like, oh, that's not what I said, but I guess now <laughs> I'm committed now. I don't know. We'll see. So Sponsored by. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but anyways, you uh, have a lot of really great videos on your TikTok account and <laughs> uh, I love watching your videos, um, but you had one recently about some podcast marketing tips. I'm wondering if you could maybe go, a little bit more in depth about some of the more effective marketing tactics, I guess, that you've seen work well for people. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to pull up that TikTok so I can refer to it. Sure. But I, yeah, my presence on TikTok is because I started a year and a half ago, not on purpose. I just had a funny video. So if you scroll all the way to the bottom of my TikTok, my first video has nothing to do with podcasting. Mm -hmm. I was driving across the country and I was in front of the California Capitol, California State Capitol in Sacramento. And I just said to the camera, like very point blank, I was like, if his name is Governor Gavin Newsom, why don't we save time and call him Governor? And it blew up. <laughs> People just thought it was really funny. And I think it's really funny too, to this day. Yeah. And I had no idea why it blew up. Like I didn't, I didn't use hashtags. Like I didn't try, you yeah. know, um, but that was fun. And then like a year after that, I was like, okay, let me try to, be on TikTok because I know the viral power is incredible and I would love to get people subscribing to my newsletter by way of TikTok. Um, So that's why I started doing a combination of like subscribe to my newsletter, but, you know, couched in helpful information so that it's not fully a sell. (laughs) Um, Podcast recommendations and then podcast marketing advice. So for podcast marketing advice, um, via TikTok, here is what I give you. So one of the biggest tips that I give is... I mentioned this to you, but you should build marketing into your show's content, find collaborative segments where you can invite other podcast hosts onto your show. And the reason I say other podcast hosts is because they have audiences already on podcasts. You know, if you invite other people onto your show, that's great. And you should absolutely do that because you don't just want to target other podcasters, especially for a show that has like high subject matter, like a history show. You don't just want to invite other history podcasters on there because yes, they're going to have value, but you also probably want to invite some professors on there or some people who are just like everyday historians. Um, But when you invite podcast hosts on, when they share the audience that it's being shared to are people who are already primed to listen to podcasts. So they know how to listen to a podcast, whereas there might be some friction otherwise. Uh, And then ask if you can be a guest on their show too. Um, Next up, this is a big one. Apply to be featured in podcast listening apps. When people are scrolling on social media, they're scrolling on social media. They're not thinking, oh, let me move over from 
social media to my podcast listening app of choice, get up from where I'm sitting very comfortably scrolling on TikTok and go for a walk in order to be able to listen to this podcast. Because for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's hard to sit there and listen to a podcast. So it's, it includes a change in, in behavior. So it's very hard to be posting on social and to think that, and to hope that those posts are going to convert to listeners. It's important to be on social media. I have a whole presentation on this, but you should not be spending all your time on social. You should also be applying to podcast listening apps. And that means CastBox, that means Spotify, that means Anchor. I mean, sorry, that means CastBox, that means Spotify, that means Radio Public, that means Overcast, Pocket Casts. I could go on all day. There are 50 plus of these podcast listening apps and all of them have people who are listening to podcasts who are searching for something to listen to. So if you can hit them while they're searching for something and your podcast cover art is intriguing to them and the first 30 seconds of your introduction episode is something that they are expecting right then and there, you're going to have a listener. You're going to have a new listener. So right. apply to be featured in podcast listening apps. There are free ways to do it. And then there's also paid. Next up, reach out to your alumni organizations to pitch yourself, especially, and this is another thing, when you have a guest on, they have a whole nother network of alumni organizations that they're a part of. So you can reach out to them and say, hey, I had this uh, notable alumni from your university, this notable alum from your university. Um, would you consider sharing this episode on your social feeds or in your next alumni newsletter? Mm-hmm. So that's just uh, something that you can take advantage of. Um, next up is promo swaps. I am a huge fan of promo swaps, generally speaking, just collaborations between podcasts. So getting your audience, getting your podcast in front of somebody else's audience and vice versa. One way to do that is promo swaps. And that means before the episode starts or in the mid roll or in the post roll saying something like, Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I think you're really going to enjoy this other podcast or something like, I have a new favorite podcast that I want you to check out. That's a promo swap. So you might say like, if you're enjoying this podcast, you might also like uh, revisionist history by Malcolm Gladwell. And you might like it because it's about X, Y, and Z. And then in theory, Malcolm Gladwell would do the same thing for you. This is probably a little bit out of reach, but you would find a show that's a little bit more suited to your numbers. Uh, And my, my practical advice here is to set up 10 promo swaps before your season even launches one for each episode or maybe two for each episode so that those are set and ready to go and you're not worrying about them as the season goes on. Then, this is a big one, my favorite one, I probably said that already, subscribe to newsletters in your podcast niche. So I am a big fan of, I think you should be subscribed to all of the podcast recommendation newsletters and the podcast industry newsletters. Mm -hmm. Recommendation newsletters because you'll get a sense of what other podcasts are out there, who you should be collaborating with, and if somebody has a podcast similar to yours, You should listen to it to know maybe you should collaborate. Maybe you should deviate. You know, maybe you should go in a different direction from them on purpose so that you're not overlapping too much. Um, And then podcast industry newsletters so that you can respond to industry news. So, for example, if Spotify says we're doubling down on video content, you might consider incorporating video into your podcast. That's a larger consideration, but that's just an example. But it's also important to be subscribed to newsletters in your podcast niche because you're not just part of the podcast community. You're also part of the community where your podcast is hanging out. So maybe there's an opportunity for you to pitch yourself to be featured in that newsletter. Um, Maybe there's an opportunity for you to be a guest curator. You never know. Then if you've got a small budget, I recommend buying ads in CastBox, which is a podcast listening app that I used to work for, but it has one of the best programs for actually growing your subscriber base. And then I just have one more. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um 
pitch your podcast to be featured in podcast recommendation newsletters. The first step to do that is to subscribe to those podcast recommendation newsletters, find out what shows they tend to feature or don't tend to feature and where you might be able to fill in. Awesome. Thank you very much. I, this is be, this will probably be one of the few episodes I go back and listen to a few times <laughs> of my own show. Because, uh, it's all very helpful. So um, I'm, I'm, kind of excited because i i signed up for the first time ever to attend the podcast movement um, yay conference yeah, in dallas texas later this year and saw recently and heard on one of your shows that you're going to be there as well so i'm wondering first if you could talk about what you'll be doing there because it, it sounded pretty cool and then i wonder if you have any advice to share on how to kind of make the most of my time while i'm there yeah i love podcast movement i've been going since 2017 uh, actually, right after I started my newsletter, I was based in LA at the time, and I found out that Podcast Movement was going to be in Anaheim. And I reached out to the founders, and I was like, any chance I can run ads in my newsletter in exchange for a free ticket? And they said yes. And I've been friends with them ever since, and I've had speaking opportunities at these events. It's so much fun. I, I think the podcast community is such a lovely space to be in. Everybody seems to be collaborative. Everybody wants to hang out. And generally, it is just a great atmosphere to be a part of. So n- not to mention the expo hall has a lot of great swag. So mm-hmm. I just really like uh, hanging out at the expo hall. <laughs> sure, yeah. um, so I've gone with a number of companies. I worked for, uh, first I went for, with myself just for two years uh, with my newsletter, I guess would be the organization that I was a part of. Then I went with CastBox, the podcast listening app that I was working for. And for the past few years, I've been going with Squadcast, the remote recording platform where I'm the community manager. Um, I spend a lot of time in the expo hall schmoozing, but then also going to the uh, networking events and also attending a few select talks. There's a lot of talks that go on. So you want to be strategic. You know, you know, you want to figure out if you're there to learn about marketing, if you're there to learn about production, if you're there to learn about monetization, so many different paths that you could take. I will be speaking twice at the upcoming podcast movement, one about podcast criticism. Um, so what is a podcast critic? what's the importance of podcast criticism and how do we move forward as an industry where, you know, for the most part, it's pretty hard to say publicly that you don't like something because this, the community is so tight knit, but sometimes it's important. And also it's important so that you can find out what you should be spending your time on and what you should be avoiding. Um, And it's not always a negative thing. Sometimes it's just like, this might not be worth your time if you don't like X, Y, and Z. But then sometimes it's like, the interviews here were weird and maybe unethical. So th- that's some podcast criticism. And we're going to be discussing all of that. Me, Rebecca Lavoy, Imran Ahmed, and Lauren Passell, I believe. And then maybe a few other people. Uh, and then I'm also going to be speaking with Lauren Passell on promo swaps. So how to set them up. I think we're calling it teach a podcaster to promo swap, like teach a man to fish. And we're going to be going through how to set up 10 promo swaps and who you should be choosing and why you should be choosing them. And then how to make the most of those promo swaps. Um, and how do you make the most out of podcast movement? Um, spend time in the expo hall, you know, like you'll make friends just like standing there and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. I, I love networking at these things because I, and I think like not for you per se, but I think something that I experienced when I first graduated college and started to go to networking events is that I felt really awkward and I didn't realize for like two years that everybody felt awkward at the beginning of these networking events. So calling that out was really big for me, or at least in my head, when I walk into a room being like, okay, I'm going to insert myself into this circle. 
And I think in my head, I thought all those people knew each other, but it turns out nobody really knows each other and that's good. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great advice. Thank you. Uh, well, hopefully I'll see you there. And um, definitely I will be at the Squadcast booth. Awesome. Well, if people want to learn more about you know you and the projects you're working on, what's the best place for them to go? And also how can they sign up for the, uh, the newsletter? I'm most active on Twitter. My Twitter is Ari this and that. Uh, I'm also on TikTok at Earbuds Podcast Collective, I believe. Um, but then if you just Google my name, you'll find me because I'm the only one who exists, Ariel Nissenblatt. <laughs> Again, would love to be proven wrong. I say this on every interview. I want to spread the word that if there's another Ariel Nissenblatt out there, I'd love to meet you because we're definitely related and also probably have a lot in common. <laughs> and let's see. Um what was your, oh, you can sign up for the, the newsletter at earbuds.audio. We recently simplified it. It used to be earbudspodcastcollective.com. Sorry, it used to be earbudspodcastcollective.org. It still is, but for an easier way to get there, earbuds.audio. Perfect. Well, of course, the question I always ask last of my guests is if they have any book, TV show, movie, or of course, podcast recommendations to share. So I'm expecting you'll probably have at least a few podcasts you can share, but uh, any of the, the above would love yeah. to hear. Um, I don't read very often, but the one book that has consistently captivated my attention and I've gone back to three times is Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. It is the story of how a tall person became a runner because even though at first it was very painful for him because he researched people who have been running for, for centuries and millennia and are incredible runners who can run up to 80 miles a day. This is the Tarahumara in um, the Copper Canyons in Mexico. And they run without shoes or they run with very, you know, very makeshift shoes. And I'm not a runner myself, but I am so inspired by this that every time I read it, I think I'm going to go become a runner. And then I start running and I'm like, why am I doing this? Nobody asked me to do this. But anyway, I love it. It's like the coolest story of, of humanity and why we are natural runners. Um, that's my book recommendation even though I haven't read it in years. And it's honestly one of the last books I've read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really listen. Oh, I can give a book recommendation, but I listen to it. Okay. Um, I listen to a lot of books. Yeah, that counts. Hmm? I, yeah totally of course. Counts. I listen to New York by Edward Rutherford. It's a historical fiction that goes from the 1600s to 2009 and basically follows this one family as they assimilate and then marry other people, marry people from different cultures. And it talks about the different immigrant groups, immigrant groups that come into New York. And it goes all the way up to 2009. It is the coolest story. And I love old New York. And also Edward Rutherford has Paris and London and a few other cities. And I just think it's the coolest thing. Nice. Um, for podcasts, Square Peg is the podcast that I'm going to recommend. It is a podcast that starts because this guy named Rob Collins gets an email intended for a guy named Rod Collins, and he investigates why that email got to him in the first place. And then he gets himself intricately involved with the situation, which includes lawsuits, traveling to the UK. It's amazing. And it's a really good example of like investigative journalism in the year 2017, because that's when it that's when most of the reporting took place. But it is really interesting and captivating. And if you like true crime, but you don't like death, this is a good way to kind of ease into that. Fascinating. That sounds really cool. I have not heard of that one yet. Well, um, that's because there are so many podcasts out there that you haven't heard of (laughs) and that are worth your time. I promise. Well, that's why people need to, you know, sign up for the, uh, earbuds collective newsletter. So thank you so much again for, you know, 
being willing to come on the show and talk with me today. And um, also thank you for the service you provide through your newsletter and your podcasts and all of the helpful stuff on TikTok as well. So as someone who's you know trying to improve a couple of shows every episode, I really appreciate everything that you do. So thanks so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. All right, that was my interview with Ariel Missenblatt, founder of the Earbuds Podcast Collective, and it was great talking with her. Also, you can find her on TikTok at Earbuds Podcasting, and be sure to check out the show notes on my website for links to her newsletter, podcasts, and more. Also, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend. Thanks so much for listening, and take care, everyone.